Here we go. Galatians 6. We'll look at verses 6 through 10 this morning. And last time we noted that Paul had transitioned from the doctrines to the duties of the Christian life and faith. And it begins with bearing one another's burdens. For bearing one another's burdens fulfills the law of Christ. And the law of Christ is to love one another even as he has loved us. Now our title two weeks ago was The Bare Necessities. And my apologies to those who had that song stuck in their head for a few days like I did. <laughs> but we established three things in our time, and they were our responsibility is to crucify our own flesh, not each other's. We learned that love makes any burden seem lighter. This is why Jesus told us to love one another with a Christ-like love. And we also learned that Christians should treat each other like family because we are a family. Amen? Amen. And we're going to expound further on that particular point this morning. And I do have to say that I, in all the commentaries I read this past week, those who would cover this particular subject didn't want to. And none of them wanted to preach on it. And many of the commentators just simply skipped over it. But it's in the book. And therefore it's inspired by God. Amen? And even though I am in complete agreement with the commentators, I'd rather just skip over verse 6. There's a context to this that will lessen the uncomfortableness. Now, first of all, we need to remember from Proverbs 11:25 that the generous soul will be made rich. And he who waters will also be what? Watered himself. And then Isaiah writes in 32, 8, that a generous man devises generous things, and by generosity he shall stand. Let me ask you, is God generous? Yes. Should we be? Yes. yes. I'm glad the second yes was as strong as the first. <laughs> We're getting somewhere already this morning. Now, our subject includes one that is sore for many, sadly, and that's a shame because it's a Christian attribute that simply reflects the generous nature and character of God in our lives. Now, listen, if you're concerned, we're not going to talk about tithing this morning. <laughs> we're not going to settle the argument whether tithing is a New Testament principle or not. We're not going to talk about the abuses of giving that are rampant and numerous in our day. But what we are going to talk about is what Jesus said in Acts 20.35. As Paul writes, I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak. Same uh, could mean the needy. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said. Read this out loud with me, please. It is more blessed to give than to receive. That's our subject this morning. And we're not going to let the charlatans rip us off. Amen. Amen? We're not going to be robbed of biblical truth. Because the fact is, being a blessing to someone else will lead to blessings in your own life. And this is a biblical precept that is well established throughout the whole of Scripture. Now, Paul is going to establish the universal law of sowing and reaping as an example of the mechanics of generosity and good works. As you arrive and we read there together this morning, it's not a sudden departure from the topic, as some would see it, but rather an illustration of how good works and generosity are in principle like the spiritual and moral laws of sowing and reaping. Now, we establish this through 2 Corinthians 9, 5 through 8, 
where Paul said, Therefore I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go to you ahead of time and to prepare your, what? Generous gift beforehand, which you had previously promised, that it may be ready as a matter of generosity and not as a grudging obligation. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, but he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a what? See, it's all about attitude, not amount. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for what? Every, Every good work, which is why God blesses us materially and financially, that we might have an abundance for every good work. You need to say amen right there. Amen. Now, this validates what we mentioned a moment ago. The mention of sowing and reaping in our text is not a parenthetical thought. It is consistent with the context of our verses. Now, a few weeks ago or two weeks back, we got our title from a kid's movie. So I thought I would elevate our thinking today. And I got our title today from a purple dinosaur named Barney. <laughs> and any of you who have preschool kids will have heard this phrase, but it's actually a biblical concept. And it might be a bit corny, but it won't be the first time we've had a corny title. And our title this morning is simply, Sharing is Caring. caring. Sharing is Caring is our title this morning. Pardon me. You see, this is what generosity is all about. Caring for each other. I, I guess I've got the junior high boy voice going this morning, so <laughs> you'll have to bear with me. It's been kind of an emotional few days. And Paul will give us some important insight on a subject I think that we all need to hear and have a little better clarity on. So would you stand this morning and read with me, please, from Galatians chapter 6. We'll look at verses 6 through 10. <clears throat> Galatians 6, 6. Let him who has taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. And Lord, we are thankful for this text this morning. Thank you, God, even though it's difficult and cumbersome for those who have to teach it. Lord, we thank you that it's in your word, for it gives us clarity about not just who you are, but also who we should be in you. Lord, we pray for Lily right now to just comfort her broken heart. Hold her close and get her through these dark, dark hours and deep waters. Lift her up as only you can, we pray, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. As I said, verse 6 is obviously the one that makes anyone who teaches it a bit uncomfortable, but again, it's in the book. So we need to address it, right? Now, we need to remember, first of all, that the bulk of this epistle has been spent on the efforts of the Judaizers to get the Galatians off track regarding the matter of the law 
and the Christian life, specifically in regards to the issue of circumcision. Remember, Jews were uh, coming, or uh, Messianic Jews actually were coming and telling them that they, as Gentile Christians, needed to be circumcised. And therefore, we need to understand this is the context of the whole text, which will allow us to understand also, without any interpretive gymnastics, that the Jewish perspective has to come into play in our interpretation of this passage and the others around it. The Jews paid taxes in order to support the Levites who did the work in the temple and any work related to Judaism, including the council. And Paul is saying the church isn't taxing Christians to pay for ministry or support it, but he is saying the New Testament principle is sharing in all good things with those who teach or taking care of those uh, who teach the word. Now, it's likely that there was some kind of accusation leveled against Paul that somehow related to material things that Paul was correcting along with the general truth about taxation versus the issue of sharing. Now, a few things to set us up. When Jesus sent out the 70 disciples, he gave them this directive in Luke 10, 7. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking such things as they give, for the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not go from house to house. Paul would later write on the same subject. In 1 Corinthians 9, 14, even so the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should live from the gospel. He would later write to Timothy in 1 Timothy 5, 17 and 18, let the elders who rule be counted worthy of, uh, rule well, be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain and the labor is worthy of his wages. And Hebrews would finally write regarding the same subject in 13, 16 to 17. But do not forget to do good and share for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive for they watch out for your what? Souls. Souls is not Greek for wallet. They watch out for your? Souls, as those who must give an account, let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. And in case you're wondering, I'm trying to quote all these verses so we can get away from this. <laughs> now, yes, the calling of the pastor is vocational. And yes, pastors should be paid. And I believe what Paul said to Timothy about double honor, the word honor actually means a stipend or money paid, means the pastor should be paid enough to support his family. Kind of a no-brainer, right? Yes. So they can give themselves to the Word of God and teaching. Now listen, for those who may be going there mentally, Paul making tents was the exception, not the rule. He did that in one circumstance for the benefit of those he was preaching to. But he wrote to that same city in which he did that, that those who preach the gospel should live from the gospel. But the principle is our title. Sharing is caring. And caring is not limited to the content of verse 6, as we'll see when we get to 9 and 10. But listen, here's our first point, and then we can get away from this so I can quit talking about it. Now, listen this morning. There is no better investment than in God's kingdom. Yeah. Amen. Amen? Amen? There is no better investment than in God's kingdom. Listen, you can debate and argue over the issue of tithing until you're blue in the face, but you can't argue with our point. 
you can't invest any better than investing in the kingdom of God and the work of God. In Luke 21, 1 to 4, Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury. And he also saw a certain poor widow putting in two mites or two uh, half pennies. And he said, truly, I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all. For all these out of their abundance have put in offerings for God. But she, out of her poverty, put in all the livelihood that she had. Now listen this morning. Jesus is not saying that real giving is giving everything you have. He's saying the giving of the rich wasn't sacrificial at all. They were giving out of their abundance. There was no sacrifice within it. And he often would make the, the quotation or note rather that sometimes they'd like to blow the trumpet when they were giving their offering at the temple door so others could see there's a wealthy person uh, who is giving a great sum of money even though it wasn't sacrificial. And he is saying in contrast, the widow gave all that she had, so she is the one who actually gave more. And in 1 Corinthians 3, 5 to 8, Paul would say, I knew it was going to be a quiet morning this morning. 1 Corinthians 3, 5 to 8, Paul says, who then is Paul? And who is Apollos? But ministers through whom you believed as the Lord gave to each one. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. God is everything. Amen? Amen. Now he who plants and he who waters are one. And each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. Now listen, in the context of what we're talking about this morning, you may not be able to go to the mission field and plant seeds in some other country. You may not even be able to go around the corner, so to speak, and plant seeds or water the seeds that another has planted. But maybe you can make sure that those who can do so can do so. Right. And you're still participating in the watering and planting process, right? Yes. So we need to remove all the stigma surrounding giving and get back to the biblical reality that there is no better investment than investing in God's kingdom. And that includes making sure the church can do what it's supposed to do and the pastors can feed their families as well. Amen? Amen. Okay. <laughs> Let's move on. Seven and eight. And Paul says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh, again, remember, this is an example, an illustration. Well, of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Now, again, context is established by what comes before and what follows after. And therefore, since we have doing good and sharing as bookends to these two verses, that establishes the context of what we're talking about. Now, the word mock means to snub or to turn your nose up at. And Paul is highlighting the fact that sharing is caring is a spiritual matter that the flesh is going to fight against. Because we do like to have our things, right? We do like our stuff. Everybody does. And he uses the immutable law of sowing and reaping to make the point. Just as sowing in the flesh reaps corruption, and sowing to the Spirit reaps everlasting life, so too sharing in all good things with those who teach the Word, and doing good to all, especially to those of the household of faith, as we'll see, is going to reap good things in your life in due season. And Paul says, do not be deceived about this because God will not be snubbed on this principle or any other for that matter. 
Now Hebrews tells us in, Gal- in, uh, in Hebrews tells us in Galatians. <laughs> Hebrews tells us in six ten to twelve that God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love which you have shown toward what name. His name. Now here's how that labor of love was shown. In that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the what? The promises. Listen, if there is a banner we ought to hang over our lives every day, it is God is not unjust. God is fair. You know, I, it kind of took me back and probably moved me a little bit towards emotion this morning uh, in our first song. You know, I've shared with you and you all know, you know, the 16 years ago, Terry was diagnosed with a pretty radical uh, heart problem. And the first Sunday that I was back in church, we sang, blessed be the name of the Lord. He gives and takes away. I thought, I don't want to hear that song. And what did we sing first thing this morning? (laughs) Blessed be the name of the Lord. He does give and take away, but he's good. If you hear anything this morning from my broken heart, God is good. I trust him. I love him. And I don't get this and I don't like this, but he's good. And, you know, (laughs) I... I toyed, we haven't had much sleep, obviously, and that's no biggie. But I toyed with the idea of maybe just staying home this morning. And, and my first thought was, when I get to heaven and see Mark, he would say, you weenie. <laughs> what you stay home for? You should have been there preaching, you wimp. So I may not be doing very good this morning, but I'm here. And God is good. Amen. Amen. Now, let me say this. We don't want to make a case from something that's not in Scripture or an argument from absence. But knowing the nature and character of God, let me ask you this. Do you think the widow who gave her whole livelihood went home and starved to death? No. No, of course not. Wouldn't that make her gift foolish? Wouldn't that make God unjust? Of course. So it didn't happen. So listen, here's our next point. It's a bit truncated, if you will, or abrupt in its ending, but I think you'll get the point. Doing good and sharing is spiritual, not material. Doing good and sharing is spiritual, not material. It's not the material aspect that we weigh when we consider doing what God has called us to do. It's a spiritual element that's important. Did Jesus say it's more blessed to give than receive? Then is it? Of course it is. Yet today we hear things like, you got to look out for number one. Or we need to learn to love ourselves. That's very popular today. You don't need to learn that. You need to unlearn that. That comes natural, right? And others would pose the question, if you don't look out for yourself, Who will? Well, as Christians, we know the answer to that. Who's looking out for us? God is. Now listen, all those statements are going to appeal to our natural and fleshly nature. And yet the Bible indicates a transition, even in this, in Ephesians 4, 28, where Paul says, let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him do what? 
labor, working with his hands what is good. Here's why. That he may have what? Something to what? Give him who has need. Now, the thief is obviously self-centered, taking what another has for their own benefit. And Paul here notes a transition from taker to giver when one comes to faith in Christ. Now, I want to say something here regarding the grumpy and negative attitude many have towards giving, sharing, and caring. Listen this morning. Are you ready for this? Yes. Listen, I think we would do better if we spent our time figuring out ways to do more instead of trying to find biblical justifications for doing less. I think we would better spend our time figuring out ways to do more instead of trying to find biblical justifications for doing less. Like arguing over tithe, 10th, New Testament, only law, whatever that may be. Wouldn't we do better to figure out what more can I do for God's kingdom? Yes. I think that would be time better spent. After all, Jesus said this in Luke 16, 10 through 11. He who is faithful in what is least is also faithful in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is also unjust in much. And now he lets us know what least and much means. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, that's what is least, who will commit to your trust the true riches? That's what is most. This is where God is not snubbed comes in. Mammon means money or wealth. The true riches are spiritual things that we long to do for God. And again, the sowing and reaping thing comes into view. Let the flesh rule your wallet or purse and you'll reap what you've sown, including the lack of blessings of giving, sharing, and caring. If you see doing good and sharing as spiritual matters, then you're also going to reap what you have sown. And that is the blessings of giving, caring, and sharing. Now, James says in 122 to 25, be doers of the word and not hearers only. Does that apply to this message this morning? <laughs> I guess not. <laughs> now, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his, his natural face in a mirror. He observes himself, goes away, immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one, what? Blessed. Will be blessed in what he does. Now, we've agreed in time past when I've asked the question, if living according to God's word is the best way to live. Yes. It is. Yes. Even in regard to what we're talking about this morning? Yes. yes, absolutely. Doing good and sharing are spiritual, not material. Now, let's get to verses 9 and 10. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Now, this is where the principle of verse 6 broadens or even blossoms into its full meaning and application. Now, a sub point to our main point comes from the phrase in due season. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I'm not, I've told you before how I operate at Costco that is always uh, a blessing to Terry. I examine the checker. I count the items in the cart of the people in line in front of me. I do the equation. Basically examine the speed and motor skills of the person who is swiping the items. And then inevitably I get in the wrong line. <laughs> 
I don't like to wait. Do you? No. And it manifests itself in our lives in sowing and reaping. Too often we want to sow in the morning and reap in the afternoon. And it doesn't work like that, right? Just like you can't sow to the flesh and reap spiritual benefits or plant corn in the morning and have it for dinner that night. It doesn't work that way. Paul says, therefore, don't grow weary. The reaping will come at God's proper time, which may be in part in this life and in its fullness in the next life when we stand or sit, or as Christ sits at the judgment seat. Now, Paul then says Christians have a measure of responsibility to do good to all people as we have opportunity. That simply means our, our personal abilities. Now, and obviously material and financial is in mind. Now think about when Jesus fed the 5,000. He fed the saved and the unsaved. His benevolence was not restricted only to those who were later going to hail him as Messiah, but he even fed those who were going to later reject him as Messiah. And the principle is, is that we are to operate just like a home. Family needs need to be met first. Amen. But don't forget about your neighbors. Family needs come first, then those of the neighbors. And this is the principle that Paul is teaching. Care for the house of God. Make sure the house of God is operational, meaning our fellow brothers and sisters have their needs met. And then as the opportunity presents itself or the personal ability is there, then make sure you're doing exactly what Jesus did, caring for those who may have even rejected him. Paul says this in Romans 12, 17 to 21, repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men, which implies it's not always possible. Beloveds, do not avenge yourself, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, do what? Feed him. If he's thirsty, give him drink. For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head, which is what we want to do to our enemies anyway. And then he says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, Romans, obviously and importantly, is addressing the issue of Christians' social responsibility. But we also need to note that it's talking about individual Christian activity. The church is not an agency for social work. We are not the headquarters for social justice warriors in our day, sharing and carrying our individual Christian responsibilities that we're all charged to minister in as we are able and have opportunity. Amen? Amen. Now, the Greek word translated lose heart is interesting in that it had a, an application commonly used in Paul's day to describe something that was painfully hard. As a matter of fact, it was used to describe a season of a woman who is pregnant right before she would be going into labor and the intimidation of the anticipation of being in the pain of labor and delivery. And Paul was, through this illustration, reminding the Christians in Galatia who had not been bewitched, don't give up on your misled brothers and sisters. Don't give up. Don't stop caring for them. Make sure you're doing the things that you are called to do as a believer. And listen, this is true for us today. The world has lost its mind. 
it's just absolutely crazy the things that are being promoted and protected by our own government today. It's absolute insanity. Where are all these women who've been demanding women's rights in the political theater and arena and equal pay for equal work? Where are their mouths now when women are being destroyed in their sports and everything else because some biological male is allowed to come in and because of his physical attributes, rob them of being a woman? Where's all these voices today? It's just crazy. Gender all of a sudden is a choice. I mean, come on. I mean, that's just stupid. That's just, I, I can't know or say in any other way. It's absolute stupidity to say that gender is a choice. It's a biological and genetic predetermination. Male and female, that's the end of the list. Amen? But, you know, it goes on today, and especially in the context of what we're talking about, today all of a sudden what one person earns, another person has the right to. Even though they put forth no effort to earn it themselves. In our world today, government is God. In our world today, God is whoever or whatever a person thinks he, she, or it to be. I know who God is. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords. He rides the clouds. He sits over the circle of the earth. There's none like Him, and there is no other. And listen, our world today is a painfully hard place to do good and share. And yet Paul says, we're going to reap in due season if we don't lose heart. Now listen, here's what that translates into as it relates to sharing and caring in hard and painful times. Listen this morning. Doing good and sharing creates opportunities for truth to prevail. Doing good and sharing creates opportunities for truth to prevail. Jesus said it's more blessed to give to receive because it is. And here's proof. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, 516 of Matthew, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works, which results in what? Glorifying your Father who is in heaven. Listen, there is nothing better in life than glorifying God. There is nothing better in life than our lives and actions bringing him glory and good works are highlighted by Jesus as a way to do that and doing good to all and sharing is part of those good works that Paul adds to that list in our text today. And listen, we are to pay particular attention to caring for our fellow believers. This is how God has always wanted his family to operate. It's not a New Testament principle. It's always been true. Think about in Nehemiah's day, after the Babylonian captivity, when the Jews returned and they found Jerusalem totally destroyed. They hadn't been able to read the word of God. They had no copy of the law. A copy was found. It was presented in the daylight hours as the people stood for six hours to hear the reading of the word. In Nehemiah 8, 9 to 12, we're told Nehemiah was the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe, the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn nor weep, for all the people wept when they heard what? The words of the law. Then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat. They did the Atkins diet back then. (laughs) Drink the sweet and send portions for whom nothing 
to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites quieted all the people, saying, Be still, for the day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink, to do what? Sin portions and greatly rejoiced because they understood the words that were declared to them. Everything we've been talking about this morning is right there. The word of God was taught. Truth was revealed. The needy among the family of God were cared for. And the joy of the Lord was the people's strength. Now listen, I'll be the first to say that there are financial abuses within the quote-unquote church today. Are there charlatans out there? Yes. Are there people who are fleecing the sheep, as the uh, phrase says? Absolutely. But I would also say this to all of us this morning. Don't let a liar and a thief cause you to rip yourself off right. from the joy and beauty of sharing and caring for others. God has always wanted his people to care for each other as we see in Nehemiah. Now listen, this is long, but it has to be read. In Isaiah 58, 5 through 11, the Lord says to the prophet, Is it a fast that I have chosen, a day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head like a bulrush and to spread out sackcloth and ashes? And the Lord says to Israel, Would you call this a fast and an acceptable day to the Lord? And then the Lord says this, Is this not the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that, what's the next word? You, you break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out, when you see the naked, that you cover him. And do not hide yourself from your own flesh or family. Then your light shall break forth like the morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger, the speaking wickedness. If you extend your soul to who? The hungry. the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then your light will shine in the darkness and your darkness shall be as the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen your bones. And you shall be like a water garden, like a spring of water whose waters does not fail. The Lord is saying through Isaiah that the fasting of the Jews did nothing for anyone else and therefore it was not a fasting of the Lord's choosing. Now fast means to self-sacrifice or deprive oneself. And Paul would imply, Isaiah states clearly that this is in order to do good and share with others. And Paul and Nehemiah remind us to do so especially to those who are of the household of faith or other believers. Now, here's the challenge this morning. How can we change our outward focus from gaining to giving? Well, Isaiah gave us the answer. Start with the actions and the attitude will follow. Amen. Isaiah said, share your bread with the hungry. 
and, and your house with the poor and needy, clothe the naked, then, after those things are done, then your light will shine forth and your darkness will be as the noonday and you will be like a well-watered watered garden. In other words, the action precedes the resulting blessing. But most often we want the blessing and then we'll take action. Yeah. Right? right? Am I here by myself all of a sudden? Yeah. Right? That's how our fleshly mind operates. We still battle that and maybe some in particular in this particular regard. Now, the Judaizers were influencing the Galatian Christians in ways that were robbing them of the blessings of sharing and caring, including for and about those who taught them the word. I believe the devil has been doing the same thing in our day. It's a painfully hard time to live in right now. Amen. But it's a wonderful opportunity for sharing and caring that truth might prevail. Because doing good and sharing creates opportunities for truth to prevail in our own lives as well as the lives of others. We made it. Pray with me. Father, again, we're grateful for your matchless word. We thank you, Lord, that you uh, didn't skip the tough stuff, but you inspired your authors to put pen to the page and talk about things that make us squirm or our thoughts uncomfortable. And Lord, we thank you that we've had the opportunity this morning just to break it down to the basic and simplest of truths, Lord, that you blessed us so we can bless others. And investing in your kingdom is the greatest investment that anyone could ever make. And we thank you, Lord, that uh, you gave us such examples through the widow and her two mites of how you view. You're not uh, watching the number of zeros uh, or, or digits uh, to the left of the decimal point, but rather you're looking at the sacrificial aspect in the heart of the giver and those who cheerfully uh, desire to see your kingdom expanded and those who uh, do the work of the ministry able to do so. Uh, Lord, we want to be amongst that number. So, Lord, we thank you for this wonderful opportunity this morning. And again, uh, Lord, I thank you in particular that you're near to those who are of a, a broken heart. And, Lord, that even as your word said to King David, many, of the, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but you deliver out of them all. And, Lord, this uh, tragedy has impacted so many here, Lord, certainly Lily and, and family and others who have known Mark and Lily for years, God, are mourning during this time. It's impacted our men's Bible study and, and so many other things and those who've been blessed by uh, Mark's love and care for them, Lord. So may we take this, this painful moment and use it as an opportunity to see one's life as an example to us that we might spend our days, Lord, not trying to figure out how to get out of anything, but rather how can we make a way to do more for you and your kingdom. So we thank you for the things that we've learned today. And we pray again for Lily. We pray you touch her and strengthen her in these coming days. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen.